just got invited to a group on Facebook from Fred Esposito. Yeah. <laughs> called Seinfeld Wrestle Posting. Oh my gosh, how perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the um, the phases that shit posting goes through, or soup posting, whatever you prefer. You know, I mean, something like Pokemon was just a big one. I don't know if you were in on any of the Pokemon posting, or was that Simpsons shit posting? I forget. But oh, yeah, God. like somebody makes one, know. you know, and all of a sudden, like there's like twelve modest mouse posts yeah. about like yeah. about Seinfeld, <laughs> like mixing Seinfeld and modest mouse. This is great. <laughs> that's just pure memory, you know. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's literally how memes work. There's okay. So this past week, uh, l- last Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, there was an angle where one of the guys took a fireball to the face, right? Uh-huh. So there's a photo <laughs> of the fireball to the face, and then a photo of his promo photo with huge drawn on eyebrows uh, and then a photo from a doctor's office that just says mr kingston i don't care for your demeanor <laughs> this <amazing>. is great <laughs> fred esposito thank you so much for the invite i am joining it right now i just clicked join so you can uh you can line this up with uh with when you sent me the invite as to when we actually recorded this i mean i know they're called shit posts but like i feel so uncreative when i look at some of that stuff and i'm like why can't i think of anything like this like, like wh- wh- why can't my brain work like yeah this? why yeah. doesn't my brain work like this like make a funny joke out of two things that i love i mean that seems like made for my wheelhouse but yeah i look at it i'm like i'm just not smart you know who's smart shit posters <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> i know that sounds counterintuitive but that's the way i feel oh man oh so uh how do i sound uh, no, nothing jarring or a big, big change that I can hear. What? Uh, okay, because yeah. I am recording with my new windscreen slash pop filter. I've been waiting for this record right. for <laughs> a week and a half. Yeah, because I was supposed to get this uh, when we were recording our last episode. I had received the delivery notification that morning. It ended up coming later on that day, but I mean we had already recorded for the day so i'm like okay cool we're not doing a patreon so this week so i will wait until next sunday then we had to postpone that record so this is that episode that we're recording now (laughs) so it's been nine days that i've been waiting to like see how this sounds yeah yeah you could have just uh monkeyed around with it or something but i could have but you know (laughs) it's it's not it's not the same yeah yeah no i uh it, it doesn't sound too terribly different, but I guess we'll have to wait till we get some of those plosive consonants to really yeah. <laughs> to really take it for a spin. Uh, see, I'm kind of smart. I know plosive consonants. Plosive consonants. Ooh, nice. Ooh, Peter Piper picked a pecker of pickled peppers. <laughs> Sounds great. Cool. <laughs> wow, that was loud. Did you turn it up? Oh, no. Are you no, I cool? didn't. I, but I'm actually, like, right on the microphone oh. now instead of, like, back here. Got it. You ready to get going? Yeah, let's get oh, it. All right. <laughs> Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 8, Beloved Ant. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, Amco? And we really only had one thing to look at, and that is 
what is the deal with the Amco commercial and Amco itself? So I found out that Anthony A. Martino started repairing automatic transmissions from a leased space in an Esso shop in Philadelphia mm-hmm. back in the 50s. And in 1957, he founded the Anthony A. Martino Company, or Amco, <laughs> in Philadelphia. Uh, not only to reflect the initials of the founder, but this was also his thinking, we'll be first in the yellow pages. So automatic oh my, transmissions were... smart. Yeah. That's the, very smart. Automatic transmissions were relatively new, and so he was like... Uh, who they're just going to open the phone book and call the first guy and that'll be me. So there we go. So it's almost less Amco and more AAM Co. Yeah. Yeah, as long as the double A. I always come back. I think it's a Simpsons joke. Isn't AA Aronson uh Simpsons joke somewhere <laughs> back in the line? I, I just... Yeah. Yeah. Um Patty and Selma are trying to tell the entire town about a like secret that Marge has. And so she calls A. Aronson, and then you just see, like, a cut, and then it's like, okay, Mr. Zablinski. Yeah. And and you think, like, they, they've they told everyone. She's like, all right, that covers it. Aronson and Zablinski are the two biggest gossips in the entire town. Everyone will know soon. That's amazing. How do you uh, – that's a steel trap right there. That's amazing. <laughs> right? That's a good poll. I never, ever would have thought of that. Uh, so Martino uh, eventually ended his affiliation with Amco to manage the Mako <laughs> Auto Body Shop franchise, M-A-A-C-O. I guess Martino, Anthony A. Company, Anthony Auto Company, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, But his the original franchise, the guy who that he was like, hey, you should franchise your uh, transmission shops, Robert Morgan, he stayed on with his son Keith who succeeded him as CEO, and in 2006 began a series of acquisitions and subsidiary subsidiary transactions, and I don't even know mm-hmm. who Amco is, is owned by now, but uh, as we learned last week, they are still around uh, because there's one within walking distance of Ted's house. Yes, um, yeah, <laughs> that I was not aware of. In addition to their famous car horn tagline, which near as I can tell goes back all the way to their first commercial, uh, back in like the 1960s, like maybe 1960 itself, the company made heavy use of celebrity spokespeople in their advertising, and they were one of the first to use a celebrity spokesperson in a television ad, and that was that 1960 ad. Zsa Gabor was the company's first paid spokesperson. <laughs> uh, and other Amco spokespeople included Robin Williams, Johnny Unitas, Wilt Chamberlain, Luis Lasser and Claude Akins. I should have left those last two off and really ended with someone amazing like Robin Williams because I don't even know who those last two people are. <laughs> and I did not click through to find out. Uh, the company also used James Brolin, whose marriage to Barbara Streisand gained a great deal of exposure, um, not only for the actor, but Amco through appearances on late night shows such as Late Night with David Letterman and The Tonight Show. So they would joke about him marrying Barbara Streisand and, and this huge star being married to an Amco spokesperson. But Amco was like, hey, free publicity. We don't care. Uh, and they haven't really done any substantial ad- substantial advertising that I could tell in like 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's another interesting uh, end note. A 57 Chevy, which is the vehicle that Larry is driving and, and uh, Jeff has just purchased, is the same vehicle responsible for the original beep beep horn in the brand signature? Oh my god! Yeah, I, probably cool. not on purpose that they did that. Just because like '57 Chevy is like the cool Chevy to it just rolls yeah, off the tongue. Yeah. You know, that's just the cool one to to talk about. It it almost sounds like Amco hasn't recovered since the last 
uh, once in a lifetime economic downturn in 2008. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And, and whoever owns them right now may not even know that they own them and they're not advertising. <laughs> um, so we recognize that Mike Duffy, played by Mike Haggerty, loves talking about Seinfeld with Larry David and was on Seinfeld in The Raincoats as Rudy, the owner of the vintage clothing store in which Morty and Kramer try to sell the executive. But I didn't catch this. He also mentions Friends during the dinner party. Oh, Friends, that's a great show. You have anything to do with that? It was a funny <laughs> dig at Larry, but also I totally forgot Mike Haggerty made five appearances on Friends as Mr. Trieger, right. the building superintendent, famously right. taught to dance by Joey Tribbiani. That's the big episode that I remember him from. So that, that little detail slipped through the cracks <laughs> last week because uh, I guess we were so excited about catching the Seinfeld reference so that's really all the trivia and tidbits and homework from the last episode uh if everyone could rise we'll consult the book uh we have four little uh, in this episode bullet points the woman who plays cheryl david's best friend is julie welch cheryl hines best friend in real life so that's cool that she got mm. to be on an hbo show just for being friends with a famous actress the conversation about sour grapes between julie and larry was based on a real conversation between larry david and the husband of a friend I remember him not commenting, and I took the silence as a negative, as he probably was right to do, because that's yeah. what that means in that. So, you know, what do you do? Do you, if you can't say nothing nice, you don't say anything at all, or do you lie? You know, I, I guess um, this guy picked silence. Uh, Cheryl's hair was darkened for the first few episodes of the season because they had yet to establish whether or not she was Jewish. And this is the first episode oh in God. which her non Jewishness <laughs> is addressed. And starting now, her hair color is going to be getting a little lighter uh, in each ensuing <laughs> episode and season. Jesus and, I know. <laughs> uh, and Larry asks Cheryl if they can go back to Colgate toothpaste, which David prefers in real life because orange juice tastes better after brushing with it. I have not Ugh. tested that out. Yeah. As far as I okay. knew, all toothpaste, all orange juice tastes awful after you yeah. use like, any I, toothpaste. I, I use Colgate. I, I've never... I never drank orange juice after brushing my teeth, just kind of on principle. Yeah, yeah. It's never a good idea. It's always awful. Uh, so we have one little what they were thinking uh, excerpt, too. Julie Welch, who was uh, who played Julie, said, The whole idea when we were shooting the cocktail party conversation was to see just how boring we could be. We were talking about the difference between shrimp and prawns and about moving from Covina to Downey and how my husband's plastic extrusion business was going and I, as we remarked last week they did a great job at being boring it was one of the oddly and ironically one of the most entertaining parts of the episode was how boring they were uh <laughs> we have a big davidism here too you remember the last davidism we had was kind of an or like a what did you call it a you know why didn't we say curban oh, dictionary oh that just yeah, occurred that, that that's just occurred so good okay okay that's what it is from now on so yeah but this is not that there's no definition it's just a quote from larry to cheryl about the dinner party she's planning and it's not even a funny line i'd like to make a little bet with you that i'm not going that i'm not close to having a good time do you want to make a bet that's the davidism that we get from this episode ha <laughs> uh, ha uh yeah so there you go that's the book uh you may be seated <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh uh, okay so any any big like news or anything uh i do have some just some pod news that uh i was on the episode that is out now Ooh. of this is the best podcast uh trying to figure out the best seinfeld side character and they are on instagram at this is the best podcast with underscores underneath every word or between every word 
And uh, it, so the way they, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure out their format kind of, and especially when they have a guest on how to figure out which actually is the best. And so they, they had like a bracket style system. And uh-huh. let me just say it, it's, it's absolute chaos the way it ended up. So, <laughs> okay. Be, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it was entertaining. I had a great conversation with those guys. This is the best podcast. Look them up and, and check out that episode uh, because you'll be very, you'll be very surprised at who wound up wearing the crown at the end. <laughs> and in, in case you are wondering, because I, I looked them up whenever you told me this the first time, it's uh, this is all caps, the best regular case podcast. Their artwork says exactly that. And it is a photo of a microphone because yes. there's, there, there's a few shows that just says that, that, that are just the best podcast or uh, best podcast or this is yeah. best podcast. So it's it's all caps in the best if you if you need that help. That's right. Yeah. Blue font, white background, microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So check that out. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. Uh, If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you get this show, and we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning sticker free of charge uh just give us your mailing address we just need to know where to send it if you would like to support the show monetarily we are on patreon it's patreon.com slash no hugging where for five bucks a month you get early releases for every single episode you get clipped content for every episode you get two movie reviews every single month uh as you are listening to this we just released a review of the parent trap from 1998 on Patreon. And have you started watching it yet? I have not. I was going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Grace and I started watching it. We got about an hour into it. And we're, we're picking out like different things. We're like, oh my God. Okay. We have to, we have to definitely bring that up. Including one thing that I pointed out that throws off the entire timeline of the movie huh. that that I, I can't find a way to explain it to Grace because she is not, like, picking up on on what I'm trying to say. So I, I can't wait to go okay. into this with you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to look for it uh, and just be engrossed with the, the plot of the movie, but <laughs> I'm very curious now. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all that being said, Season 1, Episode 8, Beloved Ant... Original air date, December 3rd, 2000. If you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry's offer to help with Cheryl's recently deceased aunt's obituary results in a shockingly profane misspelling. It's not bad. I could use a little effect. I mean, that's we got kind of a cause in there, but there's a little bit more to the plot. We can, we can see if we can make it better. I don't know. We'll try. Maybe, maybe one of my... Attempts to make it wordier than it already is that falls miserably <laughs> flat. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so we open in a funeral receiving line. Cheryl is there with Paul Dooley, first of all, and Caitlin Olson. Yeah. What? <laughs> I I was surprised by this. Yeah, me too. I totally did not remember. I mean, 
I think she was first on my radar in uh, Always Sunny. I mean, I think that's the first time that I that I ever <laughs> saw her. So this was like uh, a big shock. Um, let me start with Paul Dooley. Have you ever did you recognize him? I mean, he's a character actor that's been in a lot of stuff. Um, you know, kind of. Uh, no, he's, no, he's, I didn't. He's he can be part of uh, Christopher Guest's uh, cadre of improvisers. He was in Waiting for Guffman and A Mighty Wind. Uh, he's uh, p- great as the dad in one of my favorite movies, Breaking Away. Have you ever seen that? Um, I think it was no. not only Dennis Quaid, but also um, Daniel Stern's first movie. Uh, and oh, of course, geez. Okay. Daniel Stern, the star of A Christmas Story 2. <laughs> uh, <the> absolutely. <laughs> his, um, his most iconic role. I think, he, I think Paul Dooley always plays a dad because I know he's a dad in 16 Candles as well. Uh, he's just been in a, a bunch of stuff, and um, I, I always like seeing him. But Breaking Away is is fantastic, uh, and then of course, Caitlin Olson. I kind of want to do a dive on next week just to see, just to learn more about her and like what she had been in. Yeah, let's up do to it. This point, so we'll do a little uh, a little dive on her. Larry strikes up a conversation with Cheryl's sister. That's uh, Caitlin Olson. She plays Becky, Cheryl's sister's boyfriend, and uh, he starts by talking about how he hurt his finger again. Larry is constantly hurting his finger. What is going on with this? <laughs> yeah, th- this, this time he cut <laughs> his finger on a hole in his belt. Yeah. And this this is one of the things that kind of infuriates me about trying to take notes on watching an episode is you don't know when something's going to come back up. I'm like, all right, I guess this is going to be one of the plot points. <laughs> no, nope, never comes nope, up again. Just nothing. improved conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but I know the next time I forget, I'm like, oh, that's not going to come back up. Twelve scenes later, I'm going to be like, oh, damn it, I got to go back and now I'm going to have to mention that and squeeze it into my notes here. Uh, but Becky wants to get married, uh, and this boyfriend is not feeling it, and he was going to break up with her, but they got the call about the aunt passing away, so he couldn't do it. So he's asking Larry's advice, and you always want to get Larry David's advice on a social situation, on a touchy social yeah, situation. Yeah, my God, it's going to be great. Uh-huh. Um, so he said so he's like how long do i have to wait now to break up and this is how you know that larry is is going to be wrong he's like if it was a mom i'd say six days maybe a week what you think that's how long it takes you to like get to over get over your mom dying yeah like when they tell that story <laughs> later on it's going to be like my mom died and then my boyfriend broke up with me immediately i mean that's that's not long enough. yeah it's still gonna be lumped in yeah like i, I would say like you're if a parent dies if an immediate family member dies i'll even expand it to that so it includes like any siblings you're on the hook for like at least three more months yeah yeah i was gonna say a year if you want to be a really good person Mm. (laughs) but then again but here's here's the thing that would require them to be a really good person that's true that's true i'm 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 leaving it open to like whether you're a good person or not like absolute minimum three months and here's the other side of that coin is like, what what is a good person like staying in this loveless relationship just because they had someone pass away and it's going to make them sadder or ripping the bandaid off and going, you know, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> this is such horrible timing, but we, you don't have to see me again ever. So, you know, it's like, was I supposed to fake it and like start looking around, you know, in that three months or a year, whenever however long is acceptable. So the other person doesn't feel bad. It really it would be just for him. You know, he wants to know how long he has to stay in it so he doesn't feel bad. So as long as that's the case, maybe Larry did have it right, you know, because uh, mm-hmm, because Larry said, you know, we're talking about an aunt here who doesn't even live in the same city as you. You can do it when you get home. <laughs> <laughs> do it as soon as you get home. Uh, so Larry offers this was one of my favorite parts of the episode. Larry offers everybody. He's like, you know, why don't, why don't you stay for an extra day? You know, Cheryl's parents are staying in the house. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you know, you can. Uh, 
you know, you can stay in the hotel. He's playing, paying for a hotel for Becky and her mm-hmm. boyfriend. And I love that Becky goes like, yeah, stay for an extra day or two. And Larry goes, one day. <laughs> he's like, I didn't yeah, say a, like, day uh, or two. a day. He's like, yeah, a day. Uh, one day. He's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, an extra. Because he's like, you know, stay for another day. Like he does say that. She's like, yeah, an extra day or two. He's like, one day. <laughs> one day. I love that. Uh, there's a, there's a <laughs> limits to his, uh, you know, being nice. But Larry offers to take something off the table for the family and write the obituary. And the mom immediately goes like, it's not going to be funny, is it? <laughs> yeah, because they, they said, like, we were upset that there wasn't any obituary. We know she didn't know anybody here or live out here, but th- there has to be an obituary out here, too. I'm like, oh, get fucked. <laughs> Write one for your local paper. Yeah, where, why were they having the ceremony in California, in did, L.A.? Did she die out there? What, was her body immovable? Yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't know where she died or where she was actually from cuz they all come from Florida, I guess where Cheryl is originally from. And the aunt, why did everybody go out to the LA for the funeral unless the aunt lived out there? I didn't I didn't get a look at the obituary. It might have said in there. It is a confusing plot point that only just occurred to me like that they want an obituary here and everybody flew out to California. Yeah, I'm I I've I've got to assume that she didn't live in California. But she didn't live in Florida either because the boyfriend and Becky are from Florida. So where the hell did she live? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't have a body and they're like, "Well, we can, you know, she died on a deep sea <laughs> exhibition, so we can just have it anywhere. <laughs> We're not going to have it in the middle of the ocean, you know." She she was lost at sea. Yeah, lost at sea. <laughs> um so over at the Holly Street Bar and Grill, which was at 175 East Holly Street in Pasadena. An interesting uh, correlation between this episode. It was opened in 1986 in a former mortuary. How's that for a weird parallel? (laughs) Yeah, the Turner and Stevens mortuary turned into the Holly Street Bar and Grill. So weird. And then it closed and it opened... uh, Sometime it closed around 2008, 2009, and reopened as Eden Garden Bar and Grill. And as far as I can tell, it still is there. So, um, they uh, Larry is meeting Jeff there, who says, you know, it, it, it's his friend that works at the paper that can. And that's weird that like you have to have a friend that works at the paper to get an obituary in. No, you don't. <laughs> they run yeah, those for may- free. <laughs> maybe it's like to get it in quicker yeah. than just any normal person would get it in maybe because they're trying to get it in the next day's yeah. paper yeah that's true <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like that's got that's got to be where yeah i've got a friend who works at the paper comes in it's yeah. not like i got a connection so you can get the obituary in there it's like what those are those are like public notices <laughs> yeah i've got i've got a connection that way we can tell your loved ones that you died yeah <laughs> and the they start talking about how um the aunt committed suicide, but didn't leave a note. Yeah, which it's just thrown in there. Yeah, which Larry and Jeff consider rude, not leaving a note because they don't <laughs> know why. Um, it was a dark conversation. Uh, Jeff's parents are in town as well, uh, kind of for his mom's birthday, and he suggested Larry get his mom a birthday gift to again continue smoothing things over between Larry and his parents. And Larry begins dictating the obituary to Jeff, uh, who's going to write it down and fax it over. Back at home, Becky's boyfriend went ahead and pulled the trigger and broke up with her last night after the funeral and everything. Larry wants to go play golf. He's he tells Cheryl, I'm I'm not contributing. I'm detracting. What? what (laughs) Why should I stay here? But she's insisting that Larry stay. Uh, I do see Larry's point. This is a great case. And where I would just 
clam up and, and take it. But I would, I agree with Larry that like, I don't need to be here. Do I, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> not doing anything. I, you know, like I'm, she, I'm just kind of parroting what everyone yeah. else is saying. You know, I'm not, I'm not adding anything new. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cheryl Nix is that idea though. Uh, it, it, it is great that he just wanted to go play golf. I was going to go play golf. If he was like, I'm going to go, I'll go to the grocery store and get us some grocery, you know, get us some more food or whatever. Like, no, I'm going to go play golf. Maybe that was the big problem. Uh, Larry starts joking around with everybody. Uh, and <laughs> Cheryl's dad pulls this out, you know, cause everyone's very morose. Obviously they're mourning, you know, just burying somebody or, or whatever, mm-hmm. where, whoever, wherever she was buried. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, it, uh, it, it is good to laugh and, uh, remind us that, you know, we, we have to go on living and, uh, you know who's funny? That carrot top, <laughs> 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 which is great. I, I love the carrot top. Despite he's like a billionaire, he sells out. You know, I think probably like two shows a day in Las Vegas, seven days a week, and l- yet he is like a punchline for like hack comedian. I, I don't know. Yeah, he must be like totally happy with his life, you know. But that's still got to sting a little bit. It's like when you want to bring up a hack comedian, you go carrot top. You know, yeah. like, you, you want to you know how long Carrot Top has been a ha- has been a, a, a punch ba- punching bag for hat comedians. It's because they're making fun of Carrot Top in the commercials that he was in. You remember what commercials Carrot Top was in? It was for fucking collect calls. Yeah. That's how long it's been. Yeah. And also, I love I, I don't know. I haven't seen his act recently, but I did love Carrot Top when I was a kid because those props were hilarious. He'd like put I thought he was together funny. Was funny. But then again, yeah. I, I was I was a child, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was like I was like eight when Carrot Top was was like huge yeah. and in collect call commercials. And I mean, you're you're not too much older than me. You're probably what, like 20. I, I feel like that that shtick would be great for a 20 year old yeah prop prop comedy from i mean even from when i was younger than 20 i would say like i remember like living at home and and you know maybe in my early teens or whatever and seeing carrot top on america's funniest home videos or maybe even on the Mm -hmm. tonight show like yeah i'm like that that's funny you know i'm sure that when he cashes his checks you know his millions i'm sure he's like (laughs) call me a hack whatever you want to do um i should look up carrot top's latest special and see if uh see if he's funny look up some on youtube or something (laughs) I'll look um, it up. Is he? Does he have a carrot top? Carrot top's uh, Fubo special. <laughs> Trying to think of Jesus. what his special is. Um, carrot top sling or, or Spectrum special. Like it just goes on Spectrum on demand. Um, so Larry tries to escape to go get the paper, but uh, Paul, you know, Paul Dooley uh, decides to get up and do- he, he's so excited that he has unlimited mileage on his rental car. <laughs> I can drive anywhere <laughs> I want. I got unlimited mileage. Uh, and so he's going to go out and get the paper. So again, another escape attempt by Larry is next. Becky comes down crying. So she hasn't, you know, she hasn't come down yet, but they they were just talking about it earlier. So Caitlin or Becky, whatever, Becky comes down crying and her outfit, I got to point out right away, is like so totally 90s. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> it, it took me right back to like, like my high school girlfriend dressing like this, like a uh, like a pink t-shirt with like a tank top over it i'm like oh i, I know this is the year 2000 <laughs> but it's you know technically that's still the end of the 90s you know it's like this you could not it, it was just so 90s fashion all it needed was like butterfly clips in her hair yeah yeah um but larry plays dumb about the conversation because he told the boyfriend not to say anything about when i told you it was okay to break up uh and so uh, evidently he's still holding that line right now and larry does now excuse himself to go get jeff's mom a birthday present uh, over at the mall doing that larry picks out some sunglasses mostly based on the fact that the salesperson tells him that elizabeth taylor wears the exact same ones 
And why does Larry try on the glasses to see what they look like? I don't know. <laughs> that was weird. If you're buying something for somebody else, like, oh, I'll try them on. He asks a sales girl about, you know, can I get these gift wraps? She's like, well, we don't wrap. He's like, where would I? Larry seems like com- how he feeds himself after some of these conversations, hearing some of these conversations. <sighs> I'm like, he doesn't know where to get wrapping paper or a bow or a card. He's completely overwhelmed. It's so complicated to him that, like, My he needs God, scissors was... and tape as well. And you can't get that at the same place so you get wrapping paper. Yeah, it's like he's totally incapable of stopping at two stores to the point where he would rather have a 20-minute conversation with a stranger trying to find one store that carries it all. Yes, I know. And this was the fact that he can dress so, himself. So annoying. Yeah. <laughs> in the morning. The fact that he, like you said, the fact that he can dress himself, the fact that he can <laughs> feed himself, it, the fact that he can breathe without assistance <laughs> is wondrous. The other thing I was going to ask is, you know, I, I know he has an assistant at his office. Surely he could have, you know, I don't know who that person is because it doesn't seem like he's in his office very often, but he could have called that person and been like, get all the th- stuff you need to wrap something yeah. for an old lady <laughs> and I'll give you the glasses, you know, I'll drop the glasses by or whatever. Yeah. He's, he's got a phone in his car, doesn't he? Or yes. was that someone else? No, no, he uh, he does. Yeah. Pretty sure okay, he does. So yeah, yeah. He, he definitely could have, yeah. but he just chose to not because <laughs> he's a grumpy old fart. Yeah. Uh, back at home, Larry met with Larry comes in and he is met with silent glares because the obituary says devoted sister, beloved cunt. And everyone blames Larry for this typo. Uh, I mean, to, to be fair, he's the one who said he was going to take care of it. No one else knows that not only Larry is not the one who wrote it. Jeff is not even the one who wrote it. Jeff is the one who just dictated it to his friend at the paper. Yeah, well, Jeff said he fa- he was going to fax it over. Um, mm-hmm. but and still, he, he I faxed mean, over his own handwriting. Still, this is definitely the newspaper. Like, even if it said, yeah. like, the newspaper just can't print the C word just because they want to. You know, it's like, I mean, I guess they could, but <laughs> they should have known that, like, no one's going to write that in an obituary. Like, it was a yeah. typo, you know, that c- the, the mistake could have happened. <laughs> to anybody it just happened to them and they all think that larry literally wrote that like that's mm-hmm. what I, i'm like how dumb are you people <laughs> the, oh they're, they're very dumb yeah. they're very dumb they're very dumb uh and craig meanwhile told becky about the conversation with larry <laughs> and yeah. so that's two strikes <laughs> yeah immediately following the the line in the newspaper becky comes yeah. down she's like you know what craig just told me and tells <laughs> everyone that it was Larry's idea for Craig to break up with Becky the night of and said, oh, it's just an aunt. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, I didn't tell him that. I told him to wait till he gets home. As if that's any better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, Cheryl kicks Larry out after this for the night. Uh, and before he leaves, though, he makes sure to ask if anybody knows how to get gift wrap. How oh, to get Lord. the glasses gift wrap. Uh, over at a gas station which conveniently had its uh, business name on the garage. So I can tell this is uh, Cornejo. Um, it said, I forget what it said. Cornejo Shell Service or something like that, which is still at 1919 West Alameda Avenue in Burbank, where it's been since 1971. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Started by Antonio Cornejo. Uh, it is no longer Shell Automotive. It is now a Sinclair station. But sure enough, you, you know, you can still get your car worked on there by... Uh, by this guy or at least his family or something because it i looked on google maps and it's exactly the same uh so pretty <laughs> awesome 
it's it's actually right near Warner Brothers Studios and Disney Studios as well. So wow. I don't know. If so her, yeah. probably all the ex- well, probably all the executives. That's the gas station that you want to avoid, just because it's right next to the studio and everyone's gonna see you. So yeah. it, th- that's that's there. Ah shit! I didn't get gas. Yeah. I don't have enough to make it home. I gotta stop at that fucking place. Yeah. Station. Yeah. Uh, and Larry, while he's there, asks the attendant how to gift wrap something. And Larry is just so hung up on the fact that he might have to go to separate stores for paper and scissors and tape, and then a different store for. And everyone keeps telling him the same thing, like I don't know, go to a stationery store, you know. Yeah, like, but they're not gonna like, have scissors, will I, they? I I'm so amazed of like it's 2000. Walmart was a fucking thing, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. like. <laughs> That's true, Larry. Yeah, I mean, it's this this store, this mythical store that sells paper and scissors and tape all at once. This was it crazy. exists. Yeah, uh, he stops a customer who then tells him go to Hallmark because they're going to have everything, even <laughs> scissors and tape. And then Larry is mad at the guy for not knowing where the nearest Hallmark is to them right now. I don't know, Larry. Uh, that seems like a you problem as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> back over at Jeff's. Instead of getting it wrapped, Larry just hands mom the case. Jeff's mom the case. Jesus Christ. The dad jumps immediately like, what kind of gift is this? It's not even wrapped. There's no paper or card. <laughs> uh, Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was good for him to like jump on, you <laughs> yeah. know, to, for, them, like, for him to hate Larry for something. Yeah. Well, Larry says, I, I tried so hard to get it wrapped. I, you tried nothing, <laughs> yeah. Larry. You tried absolutely nothing. And the mom loves the glasses, but she has a prescription, so she can't use them. <laughs> Uh, but Larry says that he will get lenses put in. And then he shows Jeff the obituary and what happened. And everyone is on Larry's side here. These are all smart people. Uh, they know that Larry did not, you know, drop one of the worst curse words. And, and the paper went ahead and printed it without asking. Uh, so <laughs> Jeff and the paper will write uh, a letter of apology. I like that he was going to write a retraction. Like, I'll get him to print a retraction. She's not a cunt. <laughs> um but they'll write a letter of apology to the family and everything like that. And he, they even offer Larry, you know, you can stay there tonight because Cheryl kicked you out. Uh, everyone goes into the other room and the mom wants to see how she looks in the glasses again. And she's looking in the shiny toaster, which Larry picks up and then inadvertently touches her boob. Yeah, it's it's not clear here whether Larry's hand grazes her breast first or if she leans into him mm-hmm. as his his hand is already stationary with the toaster. But it is a, a big gaffe, and it continues for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it, it hangs there. <laughs> it sits it hangs there for, there a while. for like for like a, a good five to ten seconds, which yeah. doesn't seem long. But like the camera's just on him, just wondering, do do I move? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as he says later that night, as he's getting ready for bed, Jeff comes in to kick Larry out for copping a feel on his mom <laughs> again. He has to know that this is not something Larry. Look at his wife. Look at Larry David's wife. She's like ten years younger than him at least. Uh, and and look at your mom. I mean, you know, I'm. <laughs> it's like why? He, but I guess he's doing it because his mom is upset, not because Jeff thinks that he did this on purpose. But still, the fact that he couldn't calm his mom down and go, "Come on, do you really think my friend like came in here with the express 
purpose of like grabbing your breast and that that's that's kind of the tone that jeff has as well is he's only doing it to please his yeah, mother like yeah. he knows like that larry would not do this on on purpose he's like you gotta go you gotta go yeah yeah it's a very resign you gotta go he's probably talked he's, about it forever yeah yeah he's he's not mad about it but he's gone on for the last hour <laughs> about it with his mother it, yeah. it, it, he's got that tone about it yeah yeah you gotta go this is the only i've tried everything you gotta go but he, he lets him stay. You can stay if you leave early, like seven a.m. Uh, <laughs> this was one of my this was my, one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing. He's like, "All right, sweet dreams." He's like, "Yeah, I'm dreaming about fucking your mother." Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> that was unbelievably hilarious to me. Which it's it's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, w- one thing I'm wondering though is like seven a.m. seems very late because i mean the, the stereotype is like, old oh, yeah old people yeah old, old people like they're they're always up at the crack of dawn so the the joke is he can stay but he has to get out of the house before they wake up yeah 7 a.m they're already up and fucking doing things. probably yeah they've already finished the paper and they're having yeah. coffee yeah <laughs> Like, 7 a.m. is noon for them. <laughs> yeah. But Larry did say in this, he's like, I didn't want to, like, rip my hand away like it was disgusting, you know? So that's why it sat there <laughs> for so long. I didn't want to pull it away and offend her that way. So he just kind of left it, and and now it offended her that way. <laughs> uh, at 2.06 in the morning, Larry gets up to go to the bathroom and runs into Jeff's mom. And then as, pretty soon, everybody's in the hallway arguing, and yeah. they kick Larry Lisa out. a screaming match. For yeah. real, yeah, before waking up the kid. Uh, down in the foyer, though, Larry is – Jeff's like, why don't you give me the glasses and I'll do the lenses? And Larry's like, you want me to give her a gift still? I'm taking the glasses, <laughs> which I, I agree a million percent with. I, 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 Before we get too far away from it, I – Larry has got a good line here. He's like, even when I was dating, I would wait for months yes. before I would make a breast move. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, and he calls out uh, Jeff – Wait, what did I say here? Oh, oh, because because Jeff says uh, he he says the line Indian giving. Oh yes, and, yes, yes. And he's like, you're Larry's- taking the gifts back. You know what that is? You know what they call that? An Indian giver. And Larry's like, I am familiar with that term. Yeah, it it it's a very racist term, but I know what it is. Yeah. Which, holy shit! This is the most like modern day thing I I think has been said so far in the show. Yeah, and and I thought. I'm glad you didn't pick up on this because I was like, I wonder if Ted's going to read it this way because Larry goes, that's a very racist term and I'm okay with that. And I was like, I don't think he's saying he's okay with Jeff using a racist term. I think he's calling Jeff out for using a racist term but saying, if you're going to call me that, I'm okay with it in this instance because I am taking the gift back. You know, I'm okay Mm, with, I don't think he was saying, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with you using racist terms because we're both racist. (laughs) I think he was like, yeah. That's that's not how I interpreted it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a, it was just an odd phrasing where it could be taken that way. Like that's a racist term, and I'm okay with that. Like no, 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 he's he's not okay. With <laughs> I don't think that's what he meant anyway. Uh, and but it's just interesting that it's again we're revisiting Seinfeld territory where they had like a whole episode about that basically. So over in the Roosevelt Hotel, which has been at 700 Hollywood Boulevard since 1927, this is a famous and storied hotel. The first Academy Awards were held there. Marilyn Monroe lived there for two years. It's housed everybody from Charlie Chaplin to Prince to Angelina Jolie. It's it's absolutely famous. It's a place to see and be seen. Uh, all the bars and restaurants that they have there. Um, I, I just was curious. I was like, can you? You know, obviously you can't. I was like, could you, what would it cost to walk into the Roosevelt and get a room? It's actually yeah. not as expensive as I thought it was going to be. I was like, let's just pick a random weekend, August twelfth through the fourteenth. I want to say two nights uh-huh. at the uh-huh. famous, the world famous Roosevelt Hotel. 
for a regular queen room, it's three thirty nine a night. That's okay. normal it, L.A. prices. It, yeah, it, it's pricey, but I mean, it's normal for L.A. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a, maybe even a little inexpensive for L.A. Like you're on Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard for crying out loud. I mean, you're in the middle of everything at the famous Roosevelt yeah. Hotel. They're lowballing themselves. Being- being an old hotel, those rooms have got to be disgusting, though. Maybe they you haven't think? been. Yeah, maybe. I was getting it mixed up with, I think, the Beverly Hills Hilton, which, like, a lot of famous people have died in. I think, like, Whitney Houston and Jim Belushi. <laughs> and stuff. I couldn't find anybody. I was like, who died at the Roosevelt? Somebody famous, right? And I couldn't find anybody mm. that had. But you're right. Maybe they haven't updated the rooms in a while. Maybe it's more like a hostel these days, and it's just got cool bars. Because <laughs> maybe it's – I know, like, in the early 2000s, it was a cool place to hang out. Maybe it's not even – maybe the crowd has moved on, you know? But I know that celebrities, like, that was the place to go if you wanted to, like, get your picture on TMZ or whatever. The Marilyn Monroe Suite, which is 750 square feet. Like, I've lived in houses Jeez. that are not far off of, of that. Yeah, I, I've, I've had apartments smaller than that. <laughs> yes, def- oh, a million percent. Yeah, yeah. And that is um, $1,104 a night for that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a little bit more of what I'm expecting. But again, that's pretty affordable if you you know if you want to stay in a, a giant uh, the giant suite but yeah, it, i mean if you yeah. if you're going if you're going to the hotel roosevelt and you're looking for a suite you're not worried about money no yeah and a thousand dollars is pretty pretty affordable <laughs> um so but the hotel is completely booked they don't have a room to give larry but larry tries this he's like well you know what i'm, I'm paying for this room for this guy craig can you kick him out and give me his room <laughs> <laughs> But she can't – she does look. She's like, no, it's already been – you know, the card's already been run, so we can't kick him out <laughs> now. Um, and he tries to bribe her with the sunglasses. What about uh, a pair of sunglasses? God. And then this was another one of my favorite jokes in the whole episode. He's like, you watch uh, you watch the Seinfeld show? She's like, yes. <laughs> I was uh, I, I love just how, curious. I love <laughs> every time Larry brings up Seinfeld, it's not – he brings it up as Seinfeld. It's that Seinfeld show? The Seinfeld show, yeah. That yeah. Seinfeld show. And she does, but he's like, uh, I was just curious. <laughs> Because he's not even going to try the, do you know who I am? You know, because he did. He was like, if the Pope comes in here, you're not going to give a room to the Pope. Frank Sinatra Jr., you're going to turn away from the Roosevelt Hotel. The, She's like, yeah, you, yeah, you we know, would. The, the two biggest two big celebrities <laughs> that Larry David could think of were the Pope and Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And both Italian-Americans. Or not Americans. Yeah. The Pope, not an American. Just straight-up Italian, I think, at that point. Just, fa- just famous Italians. Yeah, just famous Italians. <laughs> <laughs> or Italian residents, anyway. Um, Craig walks through the lobby, though, with a woman. He's already hooking up with somebody else. And, well, I mean, he's staying at the Hotel Roosevelt. I guess you can just say, why don't you come back to my room at the Roosevelt for crying out loud? <laughs> uh, but Craig walks through the lobby, and he gets into it with Larry. They start arguing about the, you know telling him you know spoiling the conversation to becky that he was in on and uh then security comes over and asks to see room keys and craig has a room key because he's staying there larry is paying for the room but that doesn't mean he has a room key and so he is kicked out of the hotel I'm, roosevelt i'm i'm surprised you're not bringing up the the hotel employee he looked familiar who is he brian regan no no yeah yeah how did i mi- what how did you miss that did you confirm Tim? this it, it's him 100 percent. oh my gosh well he looks I totally ha- different than that he does <laughs> like on stage he he talks like him he he looks like him yeah i'm, I'm like he he looks familiar i well brian regan i'm trying to find i don't know if it's him i think it might just be a lookalike guy it it's gotta be okay, this maybe say, like in an uncredited role, but yeah. like it's got to be him. This does say famous yeah, faces br- on. You, you've got it. 
Okay, uh, not Brian Regan. Regan Burns. Well, that's Is that weird. Brian Regan? Is that Brian Regan's brother or something? <laughs> Regan Burns. Regan Burns, American actor. What he looks fuck? a lot like he looks a lot like uh Man, not Brian Regan. Brian but... he looks a lot like Brian Regan, though. I I agree. Um What the fuck? He's okay. not related to him. Yeah, I was like, I wouldn't have been surprised, but also I know I've seen him some places. So all right, I'm gonna write down uh Regan, Regan Burns. Regan Burns. That's really weird though that Re- he even has Regan the same Burns name. versus Brian Regan. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Regan Burns. We'll combine them. <laughs> That's I don't know yeah. like what I know him from, but he's on a lot of stuff that I've seen. Yes, I, I think he's just going to be one of those actors too, where I'm like, it's nothing specific, but it's just one of those. Yeah, oh, he's in that and that and that, and that's uh, mm-hmm. that's just where I recognize him from. So uh, before Larry leaves, though, he does try to bribe the security guard with sun with the sunglasses, uh, and then he parks in front of his house and ends up sleeping in his car. The next morning, the sun comes up, but Larry just puts on his Liz Taylor sunglasses as Frolic starts up and that's it. Oh boy. All right. (laughs) Uh, What do we got for homework this week? Uh, Just a couple of actor dives on Caitlin Olsen and Regan Burns. (laughs) Regan Burns, not Brian Regan. Not Brian Regan. Uh, Okay. What do we like for cover art? Oh man. Good question. Um, Maybe something with all of them like yelling at Larry uh, when he comes back in. Talking about the, you know, gotta uh, be gotta obituary. be with somebody holding the paper. Yeah, right? somebody like Paul Dooley yelling at him. Every, everyone's yeah. sort of focused on him at that point. There might be a good shot there. Okay, okay. And what do we want to do about this week's description? What do we got? So we had Larry's offer to help with Cheryl's recently deceased aunt's obituary results in a shockingly profane misspelling. How about like? Maybe we can like scrap the whole thing and have like Larry is <laughs> like Larry is kicked out of the house after something something Cheryl's family because he does the thing with Becky too <laughs> and then the obituary is is another thing uh, Larry is kicked out of the house after you know getting involved with Cheryl's aunts no cuz uh, then you have to have Becky in there too that's what that's my issue with the whole thing I mean maybe it's maybe it's okay what do you think I don't mind it. Yeah. I know we haven't really been doing much with the I descriptions <laughs> lately, but they've been so much better than the Seinfeld descriptions. Yeah, yeah, they really have. I, I think it's because you're only focusing on one character. Yeah. And, and you're not focusing on like, okay, well, here's the A plot. Here's the B plot. Here's the C plot. Yeah. Um, Let, let me hear it one more time and see if maybe I can. Well, I don't want to tack anything on. Well, let me just hear it one more time. <laughs> Larry's offered to help with Cheryl's recently deceased aunt's obituary results in a shockingly profane misspelling. How about um, Larry's uh, um, uh, mistake with her... Let me see. Could we say Larry's mistake? Like, Larry's mistake with Cheryl's aunt's obituary and his bad advice to... Is this too long now? (laughs) Gets him kicked out of the house. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you can you can cap it at like a, a like a, a, a I don't know I don't like the word bungled but like a bungled obituary and bad <laughs> and bad relationship advice gets Larry kicked out of the house something like that. Um, I don't you know, mind that. You could even expound yeah. it. You know, Larry's bungling of an obituary and bad relationship advice because then it's all on Larry. 
gets him kicked out of the house. Something like that. I don't know. I, it's not perfect, yeah. but I kind of like it. Okay. I, I, I actually like that. I like that a lot. Cool. If I hemmed and hawed for another, you know, five to ten minutes, I could probably land on. <laughs> if I had something in front of me to like visually, I'll have to start looking at these and, you know, because uh, they they are so good that you really have to go in with a scalpel and not a an axe like we were doing with, with the Seinfeld <laughs> ones, and it, it's harder yeah, to do with sure. it in front of you. So, okay, for sure. So next week we have got season one, episode nine, already at the penultimate episode wow. of season one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, titled Affirmative Action. Oh, original no. air date, December 10th, 2000. <laughs> and if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see Larry insults a black dermatologist while on the way to fill a prescription for Cheryl's skin condition. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe Larry was okay with the racist term, and that's where... <laughs> well, this will be interesting. I don't remember anything about this episode. Maybe it'll come back to me as, as I'm watching it, but right now I'm drawing a blank. So, uh, all right. Is that it? That is it. Oh, by the way, I starred this episode, I gotta say. It was like oh, okay. plot-wise, plot I know I kind of tore it apart while we were talking about it, but the jokes were so good. And that's something that, you know, that Curb Curb is normally like very funny plots and like the jokes are just kind of a bonus, I've I've said already. Um, but this one, the jokes were very funny. You know, there were little funny jokes throughout that I enjoyed. So I started, and it won't be number one. Nothing is beat uh the, the you know, whatever one I started earlier, I don't remember now. But, you know, as we get to the end, now I've, now I've got three <laughs> starred episodes. So if the last two were stinkers, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Star from you? No. Yeah. No. I, I I don't I don't think it gets a star from me. Yeah. That's understandable. I just I was I just had a really I got a lot of good laughs out of it. And that's that's sometimes all I ask for. So, okay, is that it? Yes, I believe that is it. All right. For no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. Be good.